So it's good to be here this morning. Glad to see everybody. Um, for those of you online, it's good to see everyone online, things like that. I think it's pretty cool that we are able to uh, stream Facebook and uh, get those folks that maybe are still a little bit afraid or maybe not feeling well or cold or maybe they accidentally slept in because they didn't know about the time change, things like that. Um, or maybe they did and they were like, eh, I'm just not doing it today. You know, <laughs> like they're just not going to cut it. But it's good to be here. As some of you may know, my name is Dusty and, uh, and I'm a student pastor here at the bridge. And from time to time, I get an opportunity to uh, make your guys' lives miserable for a little bit and uh, speak to you all. And uh, it's a pretty, pretty awesome time for me. Um, and I always really enjoy myself. Uh, so while I have the microphone, though, I do want to just uh, uh, kind of highlight some things that we do um, through our children's church ministry and how that kind of transitions and things like that just really quickly. Um, so we do have a nursery class. Uh, for most of you, you guys take advantage of that class. Um, those are for ages zero through four, and uh, we uh, um, take those kids in there. There's always two uh, teachers in each classroom. Um, and we just want to make sure that your kids are extremely safe. So uh, we have a lot of measures that we take here at the bridge to make sure that kids are safe first and foremost. That's our number one goal. And then we want to be able to create an environment and an atmosphere um, that they can learn about Jesus and have an experience with Jesus as well. So, but we want to make sure they're safe first. So we do have check-ins, things like that. And a lot of people are kind of weirded out by the whole check-in system. Like, this is kind of weird. Why do I mind checking my kid in? What, you know, all that. It takes forever or whatever. And it, and it kind of is a little bit of an inconvenience, I admit. Um, however, it's extremely crucial, I believe. Um, throughout the years, we've seen so many children being abducted from, from children's church classes, things like that. Um, not only, you know, usually, like, you're like, oh, that, but that happened in California, or that happened in a big city, or that happened not in a small town. Well, it actually happened pretty locally as well. Um, this kind of thing happens a lot more often than what you might think. So we have to set up those, uh, you know, those precautions and those measures to make sure that we're not allowing kids to be taken out of the classroom unless the person who checked them in comes to get them. And um, so we just want to make sure the kids are safe. And uh, we love your kids. We, we honor your kids. And we want to make sure that you're in here not having to worry, is my kid okay in class? They are. They're safe. And so we have the zero through four nursery. Um, and then we have the five, age five through 12, um, children's church classes. That's the one that I typically get to teach. And uh, it's really, really awesome. If you, if you haven't ever tried to teach a bunch of you know, rambunctious kids about Jesus, you, you should try it one time. It, it's so much fun. And it's so stressful. <laughs> like it's like it's a lot of fun, and then you're also kind of like, I don't know if I'm going back to church next Sunday or not. You know, like it's uh, it's it's one of those types of things. But I love it so much. Um, there's such you see growth in the kids. Um, they really enjoy the class, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And like I said, there's always two teachers per classroom. Um, so if kids need to go to the bathroom, there's always three people that go. It's never one person alone with a kid. Uh, like I said, we're, we're very, very on top of the whole safety measures and things like that for your children. Um, and then, so here's like a little transition period that confuses some people. So I want to kind of explain it just a little bit. After um, sixth grade, once kids go into seventh grade, then they get to start coming to youth group, right? There we go. We've got several of them in the room, and uh, so they get to start coming to youth. Well, that whole summer, so let's say they end sixth grade. Does anybody in here have a sixth grader getting ready to go into seventh grade? 
Yeah, I've seen a couple. You, you do. Jer Jericho, you better not. I'll punch you in the head. I do, I do value safety, but I will punch a kid in the head if... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but... So, but, you know, stop that. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> so that transition period, once they end the sixth grade, then they have that whole summer long to kind of have a transition into student ministry. So they're allowed to come to the youth group, and they're allowed to go to children's church for the whole summer. And then once fall classes begin again, then they stop going to children's church and they solely come to youth group. So once they start their first class in seventh grade, that's when they start coming to youth group and full times. But they can start coming at the beginning of the summer. So if you have a sixth grader going into seventh grade, I'm super excited. We get to start hanging out with them at youth group. They'll love it, I promise. We have a lot of really awesome kids right now. We kind of peaked out right now at 23 students, and um, it's really, really amazing. Um, it's been kind of wild how many students we've actually had come through the group. It's been a lot of fun. So anyway, that's enough about that. I'm sorry I had to give that out because I don't always get the microphone, and so I need to share with you guys some information. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's that little spiel. So today we're going to be closing out the Uncertain series. Um, Pastor Ben has been... Um, taking you guys through the book of, of Genesis a little bit um, and the story of Joseph. And uh, that's one of my most favorite stories in the Old Testament and in the Bible in general. Um, has, how many people has actually gone back through and read Genesis? I was talking to Corey earlier. He said he went through and read it all up. And uh, that's awesome, man. You should. If you haven't done so, you should go back and read it. This story has everything, man. It has underdog, comeback story kind of vibes to it. It has, you know, like uh, like uh, people selling people out, you know, just crazy stuff. Ups and downs, highs, lows, has everything that you could possibly think of, and it's pretty amazing. So if you haven't had a chance to, uh, to read through it, I highly encourage you to do so. And I know we've been going through it together, but I do just want to recap just really quickly. So Joseph is a guy who, um, who is loved by his father, and that's possibly one of his biggest faults, I guess, in the very beginning is that he is loved by his father, and his father treats him with a little bit of favoritism, just a tag, gives him a nice, beautiful coat, things like that. And so he is already not liked by his brothers. His brothers don't really care about him. And so he also now begins having dreams. He has these dreams, and he believes that uh, he sees some sheaths of, of wheat rise up, and they all bow down to him. And then he tells his family about them, and they believe that, uh, that this is signifying them bowing down to, to him. And they're like, no, that's not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to bow down to you. And um, so they don't like that. They're, they're very upset about this. They don't, they don't care about his little dreams that he's having. And um, eventually they get mad at him. They call him the dreamer. They're making fun of him. They're you know, patronizing him, doing all these different things. And uh, so they go off, and they're doing a task for their father, and while they're out, his brothers conspire to kill him. And they're going to throw him in a pit, and they're going to leave him there to die or whatever. They're just going to kill him. And uh, instead of doing that, they see a, a, like a caravan of Ishmaelites coming in, and uh, they're like, you know what, I'm going to sell him into slavery instead of killing him. That way there's no blood on our hands. We can just sell him into slavery. We'll never see him again. No big deal. So they sell him into slavery. He goes from being his father's favorite son to a slave. And now he is working hard. He's doing all these different things. He works his way up to uh, 
Uh, he's working in Potiphar's house, and uh, Potiphar really trusts him and really cares about him and, uh, and, and sees that God's working through him and that Joseph's a good, godly person. And so he kind of gives him some responsibility, things like that. And uh, not only does Potiphar like him, but guess what? Potiphar's wife kind of likes him a little bit too. And so um, there's an issue there where she tries to, to sleep with Joseph. And Joseph, being a godly human being who likes to do the next right thing and do what's right, he says no. He runs away from the temptation, right? Well, what does she do? She lies and says that he tried to sleep with her. And who does Potiphar believe? You believe your wife. So he puts him in prison. So Joseph, after doing the right thing, is in prison for, does anybody know how long? Two years. Imagine going to prison for two years for something you didn't do. That'd be really tough to sit in prison after you've done what you think or you know God wants you to do. That'd be tough. That'd be hard. Most Christians wouldn't have the resolve to stick it out or stay Christians in those moments. A lot of us would probably give up. A lot of us would be upset. Like, come on, God, I've been doing what's right. Why am I in prison for doing what's right? So anyway, he's in there. He's in prison. He's interpreting dreams for folks. These people believe or they tell him, promise him, like, dude, once we get out, we're going to go to the, uh, the emperor. We're going to tell him how awesome you are. We're going to get you out of here, man. Don't worry. We're getting you out. And so... They get out, they go before the emperor, and, the, and, and all of a sudden, they forget, right? So here he is, he's still stuck in prison. And he's like, man, when is this going to end? I can't imagine how he would be feeling in these moments. But I can't imagine it was good. And so he is, um, he's in prison. Finally, the emperor has a... Uh, a dream that he cannot have, like no one can interpret this dream. He, he brings people from all around to try to interpret this dream. No one's able to do it. Finally, the two people that he, or the guy that he um, interpreted dreams for in prison was like, oh yeah, there's this one dude that I forgot about in prison who can actually probably do this for you. Let's get him in here. We'll do it. So he does. He interprets it perfectly. Um, and so, man, after, right out of the gate, um, emperor is like, dude, you're amazing, you're awesome, I'm going to give you all kinds of responsibility, I'm going to make you number two in command over all Egypt. So he goes from prison to number two. That's kind of wild. That's a really huge comeback story, wouldn't you say? So then, after that, Joseph has the opportunity, like we talked about last week, to see his family, see his brothers, see his father. And um, he gets to be able to feed them, things like that, and just let them know that, hey, you guys sold me into slavery, all these things and all that stuff. So that is kind of a, just a really quick recap of the story of Joseph, if you haven't ever heard it or if you haven't been following along with the series or if you haven't read it for yourself, you still need to. It's a lot of stuff in there that I skipped, a lot of really, really good stuff. So today, um, we're going to finish out, we're going to be in the book of Exodus. If you guys have your Bibles, um, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 1. Um, if you have a Bible app, or if you have an actual physical Bible, or your phone, or whatever you have to use a Bible. Or if you just want to listen to me read, that's all fine.
So we'll be in Exodus chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 11. Bless you. You're welcome. All right. Verse 1, chapter 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family. Reuben, Sibion, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan. <laughs> that, always, that always cracks me up. Is that like you have all these really weird names and then a guy named Dan? And uh, I always imagine, well, when I read this story, I just imagine Dan being that he's got like the mustache, like that 70s stash, you know? He's wearing like uh, cut off blue jean shorts. And he's got the pit vipers on, you know what I mean? He's got the mullet, possibly. That's who I imagine Dan is. You got like Zebulon, you got Naphtali, Gad, and Dan. It's just weird to me. You got to find humor in your Bible. I promise you'll 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 enjoy it a lot more if you find some humor in there. But anyway, you got Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. In all, Jacob had seventy descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time. Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Verse 8, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, then they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. Um, and uh, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor they forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, God, for uh, this awesome story that you've given us. God, in your word, we just thank you so much for uh, being able to read through your word and find these beautiful stories that, that give us so much uh, to go on, so much to think about, and so much help in time of trouble. God, we thank you that uh, you're always always willing to be with us and to love us. And God, that we've never gone too far, but God, you're always here waiting for us to return. So if we thank you, Jesus, for that awesome sacrifice that you made. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I only have a couple points for you guys. We'll keep it quick and I'll get you guys out of here early. Um, and um, but uh, the first point that I'm going to bring out a little bit is uh, from uh, verse 8. Uh, verse 8. And it says, Eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And so Joseph was this man who'd done amazing things. You guys heard me recap the whole story. He'd done a lot of really awesome things. He, he came from nothing. He came from slavery to being number two in command. He done a lot of awesome, amazing things, and for generations after generation after generation after generation, and I can't remember exactly how many, but they said there was like 
70 descendants or 70 generations or something. So the amount of time that that would actually take to take place, that would take quite a bit of time for all those people to be born, all those descendants to be born and live out their lives. So it took a long time for there to be a king that rose up who hadn't heard about what Joseph had done. So Joseph had lived a life of legacy. He had lived a life of purpose, one that was shared from generation to generation to generation to generation. And it took years and years and years before they were even able to forget or not remember exactly what he had done. So how do you live a life of legacy? How do you live a life today in 2022 that will leave a legacy for your generations to come? Will they be talking about Ryan and generation after generation after generation what you had done? Are they going to be talking about Derek and the Butler family and their logging industry and all the amazing things that they've done? Are they going to be talking about that for years and years and years and years to come? You know, we, we have an opportunity to live a life of legacy, to live a life that counts, to live a life on purpose. I feel like a lot of us, though, take life as it comes. One day at a time, i got to get through this day, I'm going to get through this day. I, it was funny, I woke up this morning, and, uh, and contrary to popular belief, I'm not huge on speaking in front of folks. Um, and uh, so when I woke up, like the first thing I said, I rolled over and looked at Abby and said, well, let's get this over with. <laughs> so I was like, you know, like, it just was, all right, let's do it. And... Um, that's not a great way to look at things because this is an opportunity. This is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity that not a lot of people get to share what God has for you or, or for me and to share through me to you to maybe say one thing in a 30-minute in a, in a sermon that might impact your life or change the way you think about a subject or give you hope for the week. Like, that's a beautiful moment, and that's a beautiful opportunity, and I cherish that. So don't think just because I don't like speaking in front of people that I don't like to help folks. I like, that's, that's my life. That's what I do. But, man, I still get nervous, <laughs> and it's okay. That's okay. So how do you do it? How did Joseph do it? Joseph would do the next right thing. He always did the next right thing thing. He would get sold into slavery. He got thrown, well, first he got thrown into a pit. <laughs> he could have cursed God then. These are my brothers. Why are my brothers throwing me into a pit? Why are they trying to kill me just because I have dreams? I've never done anything wrong to them. I'm thrown in this pit. Come on, God. Where are you at? It would have been so simple for him to just right there, but no, he does the next right thing. He stays faithful. He stays true. And so they get him out of there. They sell him into slavery. Man, some people would rather be dead than to go and have to work and be a slave and be under someone's oppression for years and years. It would be so easy for him to just throw it all away. Instead, what's he do? He does the next right thing. He keeps plugging away. He keeps doing what God wants him to do. He keeps making the right decisions. He does the next right thing. 
He interprets dreams. People promise him things. They don't, they don't do what they say they're going to do. He could throw it all away then. No, he does the next right thing. He stays true. He does what God wants him to do. He interprets the dreams. Two years in prison can change a man or a woman. But he does the next right thing. He stays true to God. And if you want to live a life on purpose, if you want to live a life of legacy, I encourage you today to find the next right thing and do that thing. What does it look like to you to do the next right thing, to stay true to God, to not give up when times are uncertain, when you're barely clinging to hope? I encourage you to do the next right thing. Joseph was a master at it, and if you want to learn how to do it, man, go read the book. Go read the book in Gen- or the story in Genesis. You'll love it. It'll show you exactly how to do the next right thing. The second thing you can do is become comfortable with being uncomfortable. I kind of just talked about that a second ago. Like I'm very uncomfortable in this position, in this realm. I'm super uncomfortable. Because you guys always look at me like you hate me. (laughs) Like, I love you guys, and I know you love me, I know. But I look out in the crowd, and I see this. You know what I mean? And that's unnerving. And I want to see some more smiles. So if we can smile a little bit more, it'd be great. Like this. Got my kids down here. All right, very good. But it's it's not so comfy up here. And uh, if we could change places for just a second, you'd see what I'm talking about. (laughs) You guys are pretty, though. You know, you look good. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. But uh, this is better. No, but Albie tells me all the time, she's like, you know what? Your listening face looks like you think people are dumb. And that's not good because I'm a counselor. (laughs) So I'm I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. Here I am sitting across the desk from people who are spilling their guts out, you know, telling me their life stories and the traumas from all their life, and I'm sitting there like, that's my processing face. Hmm, mm-hmm, interesting. Tell me more about that, you know. Let's, di- let's drill in a little bit on that. Uh, but, you know, so I have to work on that. I have to smile more. And uh, it's important. Facial cues are super important. Um, so anyway... It's not comfortable being up here, all right? I'm not super comfy in this space. I'm not super comfy in front of people in general. Um, But I've become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I've seen more growth in my uncomfort than I've ever seen from being comfortable. Can anybody agree with that? It's when you do things that you're super uncomfortable with that you see yourself grow as a person. It's true. So I go to CrossFit like five days a week. And I, like I said, I don't like being in front of people. I especially don't like working out in front of people, you know, because when I move around, stuff moves, you know. And when my stuff moves, I I look weird, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't like that. And then you go and Elizabeth's taking photos of me at these events, and I'm like, dude, quit. (laughs) And, uh, you know. And then she posts them on Facebook. Cool. You know, great. And here I am struggling, like, you know, 
It's a really awesome look for me. I love it. But no, I'm not super comfortable with that. But I've seen so much growth, so much like like toning and different strength. And, and not only that, but I've had like I've grow, met a lot of friends, a lot of really high up people within the agency that I work for. And uh, we've become friends and and that's going to pay dividends in the future. Like and then so like here when I'm uncomfortable up here speaking in front of people, I'm able to speak in front of people at work. Not like it's no problem. I can lead groups at work and it's no issue. I can talk to people all day long. Whenever we have interns that come and they're, they're looking to intern for a little while within the agency, they send them to me because I'm a people person. I'm able to talk to them and, and lead them and teach them and, and instruct. And, and I'm able to do that. Why? Not because I'm an extremely intelligent person, not because I'm awesome, not because of all these things, but because I've become comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm comfortable being in front of people now, even though I'm still in here like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with it, and I've seen growth from that. When you push yourself to do things you don't want to do, you will see growth in your life. God will bring growth from you getting into a place that you're uncomfortable with. Get uncomfortable. Do some things that you're not so comfortable with. That means serving in the greeting ministry. You know, if you're not so comfortable meeting folks or shaking hands or, or making coffee or, or however they're doing things, get with, get with Jessica and Shannon. They'll help. They'll, they'll put you to work, man. If you're not comfortable with that, do, do it. You don't have to do it forever, but do it for a little bit. Say, I'll give you two weeks. I'll give you two weeks. Let me just do something else. Let me just do something different so I can get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Or, or maybe if you're not so comfortable with kids or you're not so comfortable teaching or whatever, sign up for a class for a couple weeks. Get in there. See the kids. Say hi. We'll do a background check and all that stuff. Don't worry about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll get you in there. We'll get you in there. Safety first, right? That's what I said. But if you're not comfortable with that, man, do something that makes yourself uncomfortable. You want to see yourself grow as a person? You want to see yourself grow as a Christian? Get uncomfortable for a little bit. Do something that's going to challenge you. It's easy to sit in the seat and make a mean face. But if you want to see growth, then I challenge you today to do something you're uncomfortable with. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm seeing Sammy do it right now. He's comfortable teaching kids. No big deal. But Sammy's been coming to youth group with me for, for what, almost two years now, man. It's been a long time. He's been coming and serving and doing everything, and now he's teaching his own series within our student ministry, and uh, he's doing an amazing job, and we thought March Madness would be the most perfect time for a coach to do it, and so he's doing it and is crushing it, man, and it's so cool to see him step out because it's easy to teach his subject in school because that's what he was trained to do, but it's so cool to see him step out and, and, and test his faith and test himself and allow God to work through him and speak to a generation about something that's going to last in their lives and give them hope for the future. And that's an amazing, beautiful thing. And he'll grow from that exponentially. And you will too. If you'll try to get comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not saying jump all the way in and be like, Pastor Ben, I want to preach next week. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, you don't have to do that. <laughs> he's not going to let you do that anyway. But anyway, I'm just saying, do something a little bit. Take a little step. Do something new. Do something different. You'll see growth from it. Not only in your 
in your spiritual life, but in your personal life as well, in your secular life, in your job. You'll see leadership skills start to flourish. You'll start to see things happening in your life when you start to get out of that comfort zone. I'm a person who is driven by routine. My weeks look very similar. I like to do what I know works. And when I add new things, typically, man, it messes my whole world up. Like, I know exactly what I did last Wednesday at 4.30. I know where I was at. I know exactly where I was at. I could tell you where I was at Tuesday at 4.30. I know exactly where I'm at at that time every week. It's the same. It's repetitive, and I love it. Because you know why? I don't have to worry about changing. I don't have to worry about, you know, getting out of my comfort zone. I just do what I know is easy. But when I do that, yes, I'm growing in those areas that I'm doing repetitive things, but I'm not learning new things. I'm not allowing God to explore different avenues. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. Invest in, in something worth investing in. Invest in a ministry that you can invest in and it's worth spending your time with. Live your life on purpose instead of just letting it come to you one day at a time. Live it on purpose. Wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something today I've never done before. I went to a concert this week that I've never, I've never been to a, a weird concert like this in my life. <laughs> and uh, if Darren, if you're listening, thank you for the opportunity. It was awesome. Um, it was amazing. And uh, it was weird. And um, it, it just was, it was different. But I got to meet a lot of new people. I got to see this like really buff, strong dude listen to synthesizer music, doing weird dance moves. I was like, if, that, if I would have seen that guy on the street, I would have thought he was just like a murderer. Not a dude that loves synthwave music. Like, what is this? He's like all kinds of weird, like, dun, 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 dun. you know, synthwave music, maybe, if you know. That's why I'm a student pastor and not an actual, okay. All right, so anyway, <laughs> but it was just, it was different. I was super outside my comfort zone, but it was fun. It was a nice way to unwind and hang out with my friends and, and just, and, and, and do something different. And you grow from stuff like that. It's okay to get outside of your comfort zone. It's okay to try something new from time to time and see where God can take you because God will do amazing things in your life. And people from generation to generation to generation We'll look back and say, man, Amy made the decision to come to church on Sundays. And since she did that, man, Landon started coming. And when Landon started with a family, he started taking his kids. And so that can go from time to time to time to time, on and on and on, because Amy and Earl made a decision. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it just takes little small decisions like that. I was, and I'll use Corey again. Sorry, Corey. But I was just talking to Corey right before the service. And he said, man, I started coming to church. And he said, my whole family started coming. He said, I thought it was just going to be me. He said, my whole family's here now. And that's beautiful, man. It takes one decision to change people's lives. You're changing your life. You're not even looking at other people. But that decision affects other people. Your family will change when you start making these decisions to get uncomfortable for God. I promise you. And if you need, to, if you need some... You know, hey, if, it, if I don't know if that works or not. Well, go talk to Corey. He'll tell you how it works. He'll tell you. So anyway, moving on to my second point. When you grow, sometimes people get uncomfortable with that growth. 
So when you're out there, you're doing things that make you uncomfortable, you're living life on purpose, you're doing the next right thing, you're going to start seeing growth in your life. You're going to start seeing things happening in your life that never happened before. Perhaps people are following you when they never followed you before. Perhaps people are, you know, they're whatever. But you're going to start seeing growth. Maybe you get a promotion. Maybe you get, or you do become a Christian, and you start living for God, and, and people are uncomfortable with that a little bit. You know, whenever I became a Christian, a lot of my friends stopped talking to me. And I don't know if it's because I was kind of, you know, I'm sure it was both. But I was kind of excluding myself from them, and then I became, you know, a different person because I've, I've been saved and, and redeemed, and, and God's changed my life and my outlook on things. And, and when I hang out with these older friends now, it's like I don't have a whole lot in common anymore. And so when you start to grow, people get uncomfortable with that. And they don't want to see. They're like, what happened to you? You changed, man. Or, or you changed. Or, or what's going on with you? You seem different. I, I, don't, understand. I, don't, I don't know what's going on with you. And, and you realize you don't have these connections that you used to have. I want to tell you something. And I don't know if anybody's ever told you this. But it's okay. It's okay if you make people uncomfortable with your growth. It's okay to grow. If people are uncomfortable with your growth, so be it. Grow anyway. Do the thing anyway. Continue to do what you know is right, doing the next right thing. Grow. Don't allow them to hold you back. Let them go. So I came up with this little short little saying that you can use. It says, when you grow... People go. When you grow, people go. Man, they get uncomfortable. They're not going to want to stick around because either they feel like, oh, I'm not living right. I don't want to be around them. They're going to, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they don't feel comfortable anymore or, or whatever the reason might be. But when you grow, people go. And if you don't allow them to go, then it's going to mess with your flow. Huh? Oh, man. I've been listening to KB too much. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm about to spit some rhymes up here. You guys don't even know. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. It's true, though. If you don't allow these people to go, if you're continuously trying to hold on to people in your life, if you're trying to please them, make them happy, you're going to lose sight of what you're going after. It's okay from time to time to let people go out of your life. If they're not serving you, if they're not helping you, if they're not getting you where you need to be, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not saying you have to let people go. I'm not saying like, oh, you got to be a jerk and be like, oh, I can't be around you anymore. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you are growing and you notice that there are people who are sucking your energy out of you, people who are continuously, time after time, instead of building you up or tearing you down, those kind of people don't need to be in your life. And it's okay to let them go. It's okay. There's other people in the world. There's so many of us. It's easier said than done. You'll take, that'll take some prayer. But if you don't allow them to go, it'll mess with your flow. Amen. The last point that I have for you really quick, and then we'll end, is that God will have victory in your life. 
God will have victory in your life. And it's beautiful. We didn't actually read this verse, but um, we read verses 1 through 11. But verse 12 is phenomenal. Verse 12 in Exodus chapter 1 is phenomenal. I'll read it to you really quickly. It says, But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more that they oppressed them, the more that they kept them down, the more that they pushed them away, the more that they did things against them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. Can I tell you today that it doesn't matter what oppression that Satan brings against you today, it doesn't matter all the people who are naysayers in your life, the people who are trying to bring you down, suck your energy down from you, that doesn't matter. God is going to have victory in your life regardless of what those people are doing for you. God will have victory in your life, and that is good news. Because sometimes I feel uncertain. Sometimes I feel hopeless. Sometimes I don't feel like a victor. Sometimes I feel like a victim. But we're not victims. We are victors. And the Bible tells us that God will work all things to good for those who love him. And I have to believe that when I say it. And when I believe that, I confess that, and I say that out loud, and I say, God, you're going to bring good out of this no matter what. And Joseph had to do the same thing. Joseph, in prison, had to say, God, you're bringing good. In a pit, with a broken heart, because his brothers betray him, he had to say, God, you're good, and you have a plan for my life. God will have victory in your life. The more that they try to oppress you, the more he's going to allow you to grow. That's beautiful. Because I get oppressed a lot. <laughs> I feel like people come against me a lot. And it seems like whenever I take two steps forward, someone knocks me three steps back a lot. And so it's beautiful for me to know that when I'm oppressed the most, that's when God's going to do the most. God's got a plan for each and every single person in this room today. He does. You're here for a reason. You didn't just wake up and go, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll go. No, this is God's plan. You're here right now for a reason. You're listening online for a reason. Why? Because God has plans for you. He has a, a life for you. He's waiting for you to do that next right thing, to step in to his plan for your life. He's waiting. He's like, hey, here I am, man. I got this for you. And God's plan for your life doesn't hinge on anything else other than your ability to, to continue on the path that he has for you. Do the next right thing. Live life on purpose. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Allow people in your life that are sucking life from you and doing things against you, bringing oppression to you. Allow them to go. I'll be your friend if you need a new friend. I'm pretty cool. 
not that cool. I'm all right. I'm pretty awesome. But it's okay. And God has plans for you. He has a life for you. So all around this room, if you guys will stand with me. Wesley, if you'll play. With everybody's head bowed and their eyes closed. I just want to speak to you just for a minute, man. And if your eyes are closed, then I can just speak to you individually. Because I, like I said, I do believe that you have a reason to be here. You, specifically, have a reason to be here. This wasn't a coincidence. This wasn't a chance moment. God planned this. The moment you were born, he knew that in 2022, you'd be standing here at the bridge and you would hear a message. He knew. And so here you are. You woke up this morning, you did the next right thing. You came to church. Some days that's easier than others. But I promise you, God has something for you. He has something for you. He wants to give you a life, a purpose, something that will live for generations to come, something you can pass down to your children and your great-grandchildren and all the children that come from that, something that no one ever, ever, ever can take away from you. And that's His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've thought, man, I'm just coming to church today. I want to get a little bit of message. I want to get some hope for the week. (laughs) I'm glad you came, man. I'm glad you're here. Or if you left out of church last Sunday, maybe you were here last Sunday and you left out of church and you said, God, next Sunday is the day I'm going to make a decision for you. you're here, you feel like you've been oppressed. You feel like you're trying to grow, but people around you are starting to to ask questions and starting to wonder, what's going on, man? Why are you changing? What's happening? What's going on? If you're here today, man, I'm so glad you're here. Because God has something for you. He wants to allow growth in your life. He wants to give you a hope and a purpose and something to, to live for, something to pass down. He wants to help you do that next right thing. So if you're here today, and anything I've said, man, if that pertained to you a bit, and you're sitting here and you're thinking, today's the day, I want to take that next step. I want to do that next right thing. I want to make a decision today for Jesus. Then I encourage you to raise your hands all over the room. Amen. God sees that. God sees that. Oh, my goodness. Hands everywhere. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. Hallelujah. Amen. That's great news. That's great news. Because God planned this for you specifically. And all he wants you to do is take that next right step. Do the next right thing. So let's pray together. You don't have to say this prayer 
exactly, but say something like this to Jesus if you raised your hand. Say something like, Father God, I've lived my way long enough. Father, I'm going to make a decision to do the next right thing today. Today, I give you my life to do with as you see fit. I accept the free gift of salvation that was brought to me by your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. I make him the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, I promise you, I promise you that God has amazing, beautiful things for you. There's a lot of people in this room that made a decision for Jesus today. It's something to be super stoked about, people. Let's give those people a round of applause. Absolutely. Hallelujah. So for the rest of you, the ones who are here and they maybe you have already made that decision. And you've decided that there are people in my life that I need to maybe let them go. I want to pray for you really quick because I think it's important and I know that how hard that is. So let me just pray over you really quickly. Father, these people, they love you. God, they need your help. Because God, a task is this. Allowing people that are sucking the life out of you to go is so hard, God. Toxic relationships are so hard to break. So God, I just pray that you'd help them, that you'd give them strength. And God, from this oppression, God, that you would allow such growth in their life, God. Growth that they've never seen before. The kind of growth that makes them go, what's going on? Crazy things are happening in my life. What, what, what is this? God, allow that kind of growth to happen in their life. Use them in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. I thank you so much for listening to me and not mean mugging the whole time. Um, have a great week and uh, be blessed. Love you.